This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. Last two weeks, we were meditating upon the Ten Commandments. As I told you already, this is a toughest sermon to prepare and the toughest sermon to preach on the Ten Commandments. I don't know how many of you heard preaching on Ten Commandments and the last time when you heard a sermon, someone preaching on the Ten Commandments, I'm not sure when you get a chance to listen to one such sermon. But if I think back, I don't remember when I really heard a teaching on Ten Commandments. So it was really tough, you know, as I prepare it and the words speak to me and, you know, I need to yield to the Word of God first before I come and say anything here in this place. This morning we'll continue and we will finish uh, the last three commandments. So we were dealing with uh, some of the misunderstanding about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments of God given to Moses is written in the book of Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 to 17 Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 to 17 as well as Deuteronomy chapter 5 6 to 21 so I'll just quickly give a recap of what we did last two weeks and move on to the last three commandments what we are planning to do today you know some of us or many of us think that the Ten Commandments are the Old Testament law and they are written in the Old Testament book and it is no more applicable to the New Testament uh, people as we are living in the period of grace in the dispensation of grace and we may think or some or some of us may think that the Old Testament laws are no more applicable but we saw quickly we saw on the other day Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law, but Jesus came to fulfill the law. Everything that he did as he was living on this earth was a fulfillment of God's law, fulfillment of what was spoken by the prophets. So Jesus didn't come to abolish the law, but instead he came to fulfill the law. And I was reading you, uh, reading Matthew 5.17 from the New International Reader's Version. It says, do not think, Matthew 5.17, do not think I have come to get rid of what is written in the law or the prophets I have not come to do that instead I have come to give full meaning to what is written so Jesus coming to this earth is was to give a complete picture of what the law is and we also saw you know uh, in Matthew 5:19, Jesus was not only asking us to follow the law he's also asking us to teach the law you know teaching the law to the children to our children and to the future generation it is a responsibility God has you know interested with us in Matthew 520 Jesus also says he expects he is setting a higher standard than what the law says he says if unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees by no means you will enter into the kingdom of heaven so God is Jesus came to set a new standard of the Old Testament law and all his standards are you know in excess or in addition or above the Old Testament law so there is no way we can get rid of the basement and the Ten Commandments they lay a foundation for any church or any family or any individual today so we just 
started with law 1 of the Ten Commandment, the first commandment in Exodus chapter 20 verse 3. You shall have no other gods before me. So we saw this was a commandment is about the loyalty. So God expects us to worship only God Almighty. There is no other God besides him. And he says, you know, the people will come in different forms. Many people believe in superstition, idolatry, astrology, and they will try to substitute God Almighty with all those things. But God says, you shall have no other God before me. The second commandment was for, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. The second commandment is about worship. You know, we worship God Almighty. So God doesn't want us to worship any form of God. So then we talked so much about, you know, how the images or the idols are related uh, to some of the immoral activities, you know, of in, uh, in different countries. We talked in detail about that. And God is also telling, don't, you know, put your trust and don't worship any deities, you know, so-called saints. God wants us to worship only God Almighty. And the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord God in vain. So God is telling that, just don't use my name just like that. You know, many of us use the name of God. Many of us use the term Jesus, you know, just like that for anything and everything. But God is saying that, don't use my name in vain. So God is asking, so this is a commandment about reverence. The kind of respect that we need to give as the children of God to our God Almighty. So profanity and the slang usage of the name of the Lord need to be avoided among the children of Israel or children of God and God should be honor, honored so we saw that, that that's, that's what we saw and as a third commandment the fourth commandment remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy so this is the commandment about the sanctification and relationship with which we have with God Almighty and also the kind of relationship God expects to have the fellow believers you know, we saw the age of the the God of this age or the the prince of this air has blinded the eyes of people of God, the church today, and he is also called the deceiver of many in Revelation 12:9, and he is you know blinded our, the eyes of children of God, and keeping them away from observing the Sabbath day. You know, Sabbath day is the day we need to establish a godly relationship with God. You know, we cannot stop that only on the Sabbath. It has to continue. But the Sabbath day is the day when we all gather together in His name. And we also talked about a world without the knowledge of God, by no means they can encourage a child of God to go to the church and worship on the Sabbath day. Because world lack the knowledge of God. They can no means they can encourage a child of God to go and worship on the Sabbath day. Instead, a child of God has to influence the world to go and worship the church. So if we do other in the other way, it means we are slowly stepping into deception of the enemy. So we need to be careful to keep this day aside for the Lord. 
Hebrew 10 24 to 25 Bible says do not forsake the assembling of the saints it doesn't you know it, it's not about Sabbath day it's not about which day it is which it's not Friday or Saturday or Sunday you decide a day in which we all assemble together in some other country it may be a different day it may not be Sunday it may be some other day but once we are arrived at a day in which we gather that's the day God is talking about in Hebrew 10 24 to 25 do not forsake the assembling of saints it is important that we are united it's important then that we are we speak to each other we worship together God Almighty the fifth commandment honor your father and your mother you know Bible talks about honoring our parents as parents we need to honor the Heavenly Father and that will be observed by our children and they will also start honoring our Heavenly Father you know that's our family will together honor the Lord God Almighty and children also need to be taught to honor their parents they need to give due respect to their parents so children as when they are very you know very young we need to teach them to respect their parents because we are living in a days where pair children they don't like respect their, their their parents you know parents they don't take care of the child because if you ask them I was on the other day I was talking to someone and he's saying that there is no point you know you know putting any discipline or rules around my child anyway after the age of 16 I don't have any control over her and she will decide what she wants to do and I don't I'm, I'm losing my total control on her and then what is the point in to doing all these things when she is young or he is young that doesn't you know word of God doesn't say that we need to install we need to put the seed in the heart of our child and it will grow and multiply and we also saw that we need to encourage our child but we will never praise our child you know we were talking about that in detail on the other day we will encourage our child for everything they do but we will never praise the praise belongs to Almighty God when you want to give encouragement encourage your child and tell him to thank God to praise God you are able to do that because of God Almighty because of his strength in your life because of his knowledge that he is pouring in your life because you are a child child of God you get up every day you pray before you go to school you honor God that's the reason God is blessing you so you know when you praise God for what they are doing and they will also start praising God you know that's how we need to bring up our children the way we honor our parents by listening to them even though our parents are old they are not able to do anything by their own we need to listen to them we need to obey them we need to keep them a healthy relationship with them with our parents we need to give the respect to their age we need to give respect to their experience we need to satisfy their desires we never think that you know they are already they have you know we have a you know sometimes we think they already lived their life it is my time that I need to live on this earth you know we that comes in our mind so we should never think that they are still living as long as they live we provide them and we take care of them and we were also dealing with some of the practical issues you know most of us are very far away from our parents how do we honor the you know, honor our parents we develop a guilty conscience within our hearts am I really taking care of my parent you know how I am taking care of my parents I'm really here they are struggling over there nobody is there to take care of them you know sometimes we develop a guilty conscience and we were we were answering those questions 
and a God united husband and wife as a family and Bible clearly says man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife right that's what the word of God says there is nothing to feel guilty about but still we need to support our parents we need to encourage them we need to take care of them another question we answered should we obey to my parent if she or he is ungodly and we found the answer Ezekiel chapter 29 18 to 19 Bible clearly says if you are getting ungodly guidance from your parents don't obey obey the to your father in heaven we can take only the godly guidance so we cannot expect any godly counsel from a parent who is ungodly and there we need to substitute that guidance or counsel by the word of God so we we, we we analyzed that we understood that the sixth uh, commandment you shall not murder you know we are living in a generation where human has no value human life has no value and in the midst of such a generation God is speaking to the church today you shall not murder and Jesus was augmenting that fact that commandment by saying that if someone is angry with his brother for without any reason without a cause he is guilty of murder read that in Matthew chapter 5 21 to 22 so these are some of the teachings we learned from Jesus Christ as well as as God spoke to Moses and gave the commandment and the seventh commandment you shall not commit adultery we went through some statistics to see what kind of adulterous world today we are living in what kind of activities are going around us how our children are influenced even at the little even when they are little to the things which they don't need to know at this age you know how the enemy of this world or how the prince of this air has blinded their eyes blinded the eyes of the parents and you know making opening up channels and avenues for their children to get exposed to these things ungodly things the result is brokenness broken homes divorce single parenting and doubting parents partners instability in marriage and frustration and you know judging each other and so many things going on in families and God is telling us you shall not commit adultery and again Jesus was augmenting this uh, seventh commandment in Matthew 5 27 to 28 whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart see well, throughout the Bible we see his standards are always higher than what was given to the children of Israel and God is expecting us to follow that standard as a church you know God is preparing us for come his coming so that how he prepares us by his word he speak to us and he you know to remove the ungodly things remove the ungodly nature from our lives day to day and once they those things are stripped away you know we are well equipped to go and meet our heavenly father you know that's how God can prepare the church today today we talk about the eighth commandment let's go back to Exodus chapter 20 verse 15 Bible says you shall not steal you shall not steal the eighth commandment is about honesty it is about honesty this commandment safeguards everyone's right to legitimately own a property or their own belonging when God says don't steal 
he is giving the right that we can own property on this earth there is a question whether you know some of the uh, Christian teachings they say that you don't need to own anything on this land you cannot possess anything on this land if the Lord is coming if you have something some hold on this earth you will never be caught up into the rapture during the rapture no it's not like that God is a God who blesses as we live on this earth he gives us what is required to live to have a life on this earth a house a car you know whatever we ask God so there is nothing wrong in asking those things to God so this commandment also forbids theft it gives a legal right to possess a property or ownership over something but it also forbids theft God wants us to provide and bless us but God doesn't want us to have material possession as the primary objective in our life when he says the word of God it talks both sides it says do not steal but at the same time it gives us a freedom to own but God is telling us don't possess too much so that your mind will be focused on the material things of this world you will lose your objective of reaching heaven you know people who steal usually they are motivated by their greed usually they are motivated by their greed the greed may be due to their poverty or the greed may be you know something they desire for a long time but there is no way of acquiring them but then they end up in stealing something proverb 15:27 says he who is greedy for gain troubles his own house but he who hates bribes will live he who is greedy he is inviting more trouble to his house but who he who hates bribe he will live you know Bible instructs us how to live a life that is according to the word of God first Timothy 610 then those which is familiar to us for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness first Timothy verse chapter 6 verse 10 you know God is expecting us not to be greedy not to think about what we don't have God expects us to think about what we have and what God has given in our life you know instead of greediness God expects us to be a cheerful giver to God you know instead of thinking about something else which we don't have God expects us to be a cheerful giver to God you know Bible says in 2nd Corinthians 9 7 to 8 let's read that verse 2nd Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 to 8 here Bible says so let each one give as he purposes in his heart not grudgingly or of necessity for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work you know see what a blessing God is promising here if we are a cheerful giver to God you know God is a God who blesses you know, God wants us to give to him you know giving him it's not just giving for the ministry alone giving him is also those who are not having enough 
as we meet their need as we meet the poor need of the poor and the hungry and the orphans you know God is a God who gives us back and he is a God who blesses God says do not steal you know taking others possession is not the only way of stealing sometimes we think that moment we think about talk about stealing we think that you know without their knowledge we go and take something there are so many other things what you know we, we can go on in our life sometimes we borrow things but we never return sometimes we borrow money but we never return we may forget that but you know God doesn't forgive God doesn't forget those those things in our life because he says do not steal you know something if it doesn't belong to us it doesn't belong to us it belongs to somebody else you know we violate sometimes the copyright law and steal others intellectual properties that is equivalent to stealing certain manufacturers they advertise you know in a deceiving manner and supply the substandard the poor quality of products you know that is not correct that is against stealing sometimes you know we bill more hours than we work that is nothing but stealing you know god is talking to us this morning we cannot steal you shall not steal bible also talks about stealing god bible talks about giving it to god you know from the time of abraham tithing is something which is followed throughout the generation every day in every generation by the you know by by children of god but in you know sometime in around 500 bc 580 bc children of god were taken as captive to babylon and the next year a small bunch of people group of people they were brought back to the land of jerusalem under the leadership of ezra and nehemiah you know they brought this bunch of children of israel who are under captivity and bible says slowly they drifted away from god and they were no more giving to god you know at the time god raised up a prophet by name malachi and if you can go to malachi chapter 3 he was speaking to the children of israel there the last book of the old testament chapter 3 verse 8 to 9 bible says will a man rob god yet you have robbed me but you say in what way have we robbed you in tithes and offerings you are cursed with a curse for you have robbed me even this whole nation bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me not now in this says the lord of hosts if i will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will be no not there will not be room enough to receive it you know god is asking us to give his tithe to the work of god to god we are not giving into any man or any ministry but god expects us to give it to god and god is saying he will bless the cheerful giver as the children of god they drifted away god is sending his prophet to set them right but the way he is saying he is reminding them one of the old uh, testament or one of the com- commandments and he is telling them do not steal don't steal and don't rob god you know it doesn't stop there with our offerings and tithe it 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 it, it continues or it get into the 
time? How do we manage our time? Are we giving tithe in our time too to God? You know, in a day, we have how many? We have 24 hours in a day. So one tenth of 24 hours is how many? How many hours? It's a, it's around two hours, 24 minutes. So if we take a tithe on every day, God expects us to give two hours and 24 minutes for Him. To God. Right? Is it possible? Some of you are laughing. And... So, two hours and 40 minutes? Oh, sorry. Okay. Two hours and 40. Okay, there is a reason for that laugh. So, two hours and 40 minutes. Right? Thank you. So, two hours and 40 minutes, are we able to keep the time aside for God? Now, God is not saying that two hours, 40 minutes, you close, close your chamber and pray. No. Godly activities. Can we keep the time aside and see what we can do for God? I may pray for half an hour. I may read the Bible for 15 minutes. I may spend time with my child teaching him about God. I may sit with my wife praying together in, as a family. And I may spend half an hour to the work of God. Let me involve in myself in something, maybe a small thing. It may be just you know making an update in the website, or it may be you know just calling someone and just spending a few minutes. Can we practice that? Two hour, forty minutes in the presence of God, and God will see God will bless. Eight hours we struggle in the you know in, in the company to get something done, and God will enable you to do you know get those things quickly, much easily. And even you know sometimes we'll see you you may be there doing things, but you will see without your knowledge somebody else is already doing it, or somebody else is already volunteering to help you in your activities. You know the way God will open the door, and as we start giving more and more time to God, you will find later your time to this world is going to be lesser and lesser. God, that's how God. Uses someone, and you will find one day, one fine morning, you are full time carrying the word of God and going and preaching and telling about everyone about Jesus Christ. You know, God expects that initial seed to be sown into our hearts, and what is that? We're giving the time for God, and that's how God builds a life, and that's how God builds a family. The ninth commandment God is telling us you shall bear no false witness against your neighbor. You shall not bear any false witness against your neighbor. The ninth commandment is about truthfulness. God expects us to be truthful to God and to others. You know, let's know about our God. What does scripture tell us about our God? His word and his truth. You know, every word of God is pure. That's what Proverbs 35 says. Every word of God is pure. The word of God is pure. It's a pure word of God. There is not, no guilt in it. There is no false in it. There is no defect in it. It is a pure word of God. You know, Daniel refers to God's word as the scripture of truth. Jesus Christ said, God, the Father, your word is truth. You know, God is our God, is a truthful God. Our God, He speaks the truth. The Bible throughout teaches us God is not a man to lie. He never lies. He is not a man to lie. He is God Almighty. He speaks the truth. And Bible says in Psalm 100 and verse 5, David says, His truth endures forever. 
to all the generations his truth will stand you know everything will fade away but the word of god the truth will stand forever his he is a true god he is a you know truthful god and what about the world today the world is if you look into the world lying is something like which is accepted commonly in the world in our world is basically described by isaiah the prophet let's read isaiah 59 isaiah 59 verse 9 verse 4 isaiah 59 verse 4 he says no one calls for justice nor does any plead for truth they trust in empty words and speak lies they conceive evil and bring forth iniquity the prophet says they trust in empty words and speak lies they trust in empty word and they speak lies you know it's exactly a true representation of today's world truth doesn't have value anymore you know you should be able to tell the truth but not in a uh, you know not in a in a pure way you need to twist it little bit and put it such a way that the other person will receive it you know that's the way we teach that's the way we hear don't go and tell the truth nobody is going to accept it but still you need to tell the truth but don't tell in the right way but tell as a lie then people will receive it you know there is no value for truth nobody is willing to lie, take any truth and that's how the world is today and people in you know, a routinely inject this kind of deceit into their relationship into their personal relationships social relationship even into the church religious relationship and the economic relationship and slowly they lose the trust they develop with each other with their lie they cheat people you know they make people to depend on their false promises you know how many time we see people giving false promises and the other person on the other side keep holding on to those promises thinking that they will do what they say but then ultimately they will fail things may not happen in the same way god expects us to be faithful in our relationship with others that demands that demand must come from within ourselves we cannot expect the world to teach us you know many of these teachings we will not learn anything from this world it has to come within us from within us and as the word of god germinates within our lives those things will come forth within our heart god is asking us to be sensitive to this trap of the enemy you know you would have seen people bringing false witnesses to the court it is easy to get the false witness you spend, go and spend some time and then you know you pay or you do something with him and then bring him to the court as a false witnesses that's going on in today's world you know we should never you know we should never sign in any proper any 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 false accusation there are false accusation made and the detailed letter is prepared and sent across taking our signature bible clearly says we should not sign in any such things so our god is a god who expects us to speak truth how about our lives today you know it is a natural tendency to lie you know lying is such a quick you know reflex which is really doesn't take any effort from our lives to gain or to take advantage over others the moment you ask something the immediate tendency within our nature within our life is just to lie and then we come back and try to tell the truth you know i experience within myself that 
you know, the immediate nature is just to lie and then, you know, get away so that we take an advantage over the situation and then we feel comfortable, we are good over the other person and then try to come back and settle it. You know, that's a nature. That's a nature. It is, you know, it appears to offer an easy and swift escape from the kind of embarrassment and the fear and the guilt. But as children of God, God is teaching us, God is telling us we should never lie. Proverbs 12.22 says, Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. Proverbs 12.22 Jesus tells us that the devil is a liar and he is a father of lies. He is a liar and he is the father of lies. You know, he is the one who is spoiling this, unge- this generation and making them, turning them to an ungodly generation. Because he is the father of the lies. You know, all the lies, if you relate it and you, you know, you know, extrapolate it and, you know, go back and see, it will all go to the liar, the father of the liar. Who is he? He is the devil. His influence is so high on this world to take children of God away from God's presence. He knows that the deceiver or the liar will not inherit the kingdom of God why he does that he wants to you know enable or motivate people to lie why he does that he knows that those who lie they will not take part in God's kingdom in Revelation chapter 21 let's read that verse Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says Revelation 21 8 but the cowardly unbelieving abominable murderers sexually immoral sorcerers idolaters and all liars all liars those who don't speak truth shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death you know, devil knows that very clearly. That's the reason he is installing that seed of lie in our children's heart, even then when they are very young. Because he wants to reserve them for the eternity in the hell. And as such, as a church, as a children of God, God expects us to speak the truth. The tenth commandment, verse 17, Exodus chapter 20. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is in your, that is your neighbor's. The tenth commandment is about contentment. The tenth commandment is about contentment. What is covetousness? You know, covert means to crave or desire, especially in an improper way. The Tenth Commandment does not tell us that our desires are immoral. It doesn't say that. Nothing wrong in desiring. Nothing wrong in, you know, expecting. Nothing wrong in wishing or desiring to get something. It doesn't say that desire is not wrong. It tells us that some desires are wrong. So coveting is an immoral longing of something that is not rightfully ours. We are expecting, we are desiring on something which is not legally, doesn't belong to us. That is usually because the objective of our desire already belongs to someone else. We want to get something else which no more belongs to us, but it belongs to somebody else and we want to get that. That's the desire. That was what is covetousness. But coveting can also include 
our wanting far more than we would legitimately deserve or that would be our rightful to share you know God allows us legally certain things for us but moment we go out of the boundary and start desiring something else which already belonged to somebody else that's where we fail that's where we violate the tenth commandment and God is asking us to be careful in this matter the opposite of coveting is a positive desire to help others preserve and protect their belongings protect the God-given blessings to them and be happy about when someone else is blessed be happy about take part in their joy that is opposite to covetousness we should rejoice when other people are blessed that is tough I experience that I don't know about you you may be so godly you may not even experience that but I experience that when someone else is going on somebody is blessed without our knowledge their first reflex you know first instance there's a thought just runs across in our mind why it is for him he's not seeking after you he's not godly he doesn't go to church he doesn't even work do the work properly but then he's blessed still why we are violating the tenth law God is teaching us our desire to be the blessing of others God will change us God wants to bring that change in our mind what is the human nature first John let's go to first John 2.16 first John 2.16 Bible says for all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father but is of the world we are talking about the tenth commandment of God you shall not covet your neighbors belongings the human nature is first John 2.16 the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life I want you to talk little I want to talk little more about this let's go back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden God forbid them not to eat from a tree particular tree and he said you can eat from all the other tree but except the tree which is called the tree of knowledge of good and evil don't eat from that tree and Bible says in Genesis 2 16 to 17 let's go back to Genesis 2 16 and 17 that's where God says and Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden you may freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die you know that's what God said to the children of sorry to, to Adam and Eve and see what's going on in verse uh, chapter 3 verse 6 so when the women saw the tree was good for food the woman saw the tree and it was good for food lust of the flesh that's what we read just now lust of the flesh and see keep reading that it was pleasant to the eyes lust of the eye and a tree desirable to make one wise what is that somebody something is making them wise pride of life you know that's how the fall of man the lust of the flesh the lust of the eye and the lust of the pride of the life 
you know these three it runs around us every day every day in our life these three factors will be there in everything we do we will feel these the combination of these three operating in our lives you know that's how the devil works in our lives that's how that's that's what we are today you know what happened when jesus was tempted after his you know when after he took the baptism he was led by the spirit in the wilderness and he was waiting he was fasting for 40 day and night what was going on the devil the same devil came to jesus christ and he said if you are the son of god command the stone to become bread lust of the flesh and he said but jesus said it's written that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the word of from the mouth of god and then he took jesus and to the height of the mountain and he said all this authority i will give you if you bow down and worship me the lust of the eyes he made jesus to see everything around him the lust of the eyes he was trying to deceive even jesus with that same aspect and thirdly then jesus said get me behind satan for it is written you shall serve the lord god and him alone you shall serve then he set him on the pinnacle of the temple and he said if you are son of god throw yourself from here so that the angels may come and bear you up in their hands so that your foot will not be dashed against the stone and he said that and you know what is that pride of life throw yourself from here let's see angels coming and you know handling you in, in their hands pride of life if you and i standing here in the name of jesus i will jump and he would have jumped you know jesus would have jesus didn't do that and i was just thinking if jesus would have done that you would not you and i would not have received that salvation today we are experiencing Satan was even attacking Jesus trying to put him down by the pride of life again the lust of the flesh lust of eyes and the pride of life David on one day bible says in 2nd Samuel 11:2 to 3 then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of his house the king's house 2nd Samuel 11 2 to 3 and from the roof Bible says he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold so David inquired about the woman and someone said is it not Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam the wife of Uriah the Hittite the woman doesn't belong to David the woman belongs to somebody else and that's where David is getting into the into the violation of the tenth commandment now I hope it's clear now when something is not belonging to us and God expects us to behave godly by following the tenth commandment today you know many of us come forward you know many people approach us for a time of prayer for example for a deliverance and as a ministry called intercessory ministry prayer ministry you know we are we are supposed to pray for them we are supposed to bring deliverance and healing in their lives i think that's what the sisters are doing throughout the week over phone they pray for so many things i used to say one of the component of intercessory prayer ministry is to fast and pray for others as they go through tough situation as they go through terrible time in their lives listen to their cry and you as an intercessor 
come and stand in front of God you forget your food keep your food aside you don't do anything you don't even take your food and you don't even spend much time with your family because you are interested sir God has called you to pray stand in the gap and when you pray for someone and when they receive a healing when they receive a blessing what is our attitude as a intercessory prayer warrior you know god is teaching us something here sometimes when we pray for them god delivers them but you may not even get any update of the deliverance god has given to them and you may continue to pray without knowing that they have already been delivered the prayer has been already answered you continue to pray and you continue to pray about them but then through someone else you come to know that they already received the blessing probably they know they never turned back to you they the one who came running to you asking for prayer and then you intercede for them and now they don't even turn back to you they don't you are you worry about you what is our reaction as a true intercessor a true intercessor will thank god for answering the prayer not expecting anything from that person not expecting anything not even a phone call from that person those who are called the true intercessors you know god is expecting us not to depend on anything that belongs to this world god is a god who takes care of us he is a god who feeds us he is a god who blesses with plentifully abundantly as we set our motives as our as we set our attitudes right with the lord so let us not fall into the sin of the lust of the eyes the lust of the flesh and the pride of life we'll just read one scripture and then we we'll close james chapter 1 james chapter 1 verse 14 to 15 but each one let's read from 13 let's no one let no one say when he is tempted i am tempted by god for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he himself tempt anyone but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire and enticed then when desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death you know god is saying that we all go in our own way and we are tempted by the way we do things and then we get into trouble as we study about this 10 commandments the lord is telling us follow me follow much me much closer than you have been i am working in your life shall we just close our eyes hope you are blessed by this teaching Please write to Pastor Balan Swaminathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.